to Yo and Yo's podcast. We've had the privilege of advising Michigan businesses for over 95 years, and we want to share our knowledge with you, covering tax, accounting, technology, financial, and advisory topics relevant to you and your business. Yo and Yo's podcast is hosted by industry and subject matter experts, where we go beyond the beans. So if you want to stay in the know about business issues and trends that affect you, then keep listening because this is Everyday Business with Yo and Yo. Hello, I'm your host, Alan Panter. I'm a principal at Yo and Yo and a member of the government services team. Welcome to this episode of Everyday Business. Today we're going to discuss single audits and really more from the standpoint of governmental entities who have never been required to have single audits in the past. So with me is Jamie Rivette. Jamie is a principal at Yo and Yo and the leader of our governmental services team. So thank you for joining me, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. The first question, what is a single audit and how do we determine whether or not we need one? That is a good question. So to put it simply, it's a review of the way in which your organization has managed a federal grant to make sure you are in compliance with all of the rules and regulations of each specific grant award. And the recipients of federal grants who expend more than $750,000 or more in a fiscal year will need a single audit. So we're really keying on those expenditures rather than the revenues in terms of what's being counted in the single audit. Correct. Alrighty. So how are those federal dollars reported in the financial statements? So you'll often hear auditors refer to the CFA, and that really is the schedule of expenditures of federal awards. It includes the total federal awards expended by each federal program along with the CFDA number. And just as a note of warning to watch that as it's soon to be called the assistance listing number. So along with the federal expenditures, you are also going to include each grant separately and then subtotal each grant by the CFDA number. And if you do have any COVID-19 federal grants, you're going to want to make sure that the prefix of the grant name actually has the word COVID-19 in front of it. And that really is for transparency and accountability purposes. Um, You're going to classify the federal expenditures by program along with the federal department that administers the program. For example, that would be the U.S. Department of Transportation or the Department of Housing and Urban Development. You're going to include the current year actual expenditures from the federal sources, and those amounts typically come from the general ledger, and most of the software systems that our governments use are capable of running a report by grant or program to get you that total amount. And you also want to watch the clusters. So within the compliance supplement, you will see which uh, grant numbers are included in a cluster, and that's because those CFDA numbers are grouped together, and those would be ones with similar compliance requirements, and you can find that information within the compliance supplement um, through the OMB. Wow, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Who's responsible for the preparation of the CFA? Well, really, it's management's responsibility for the preparation of the CFA and compiling this information to provide to your auditors. Um, And it should include all of those key areas that I just mentioned. And a good point is to reach out to your auditors if you have any grants that are in question and if you're not sure if they should be included or not. Perfect. 
So how do I know what grants should be included in the CIFA and which you wouldn't want to include in the CIFA? So the CIFA includes all amounts that are federal expenditures for grant agreements that are executed. We ran into a little issue last year at our June fiscal year ends. Um, some of the grant agreements for those CARES dollars weren't signed until after June 30th. Therefore, there wasn't an executed grant agreement. And so even though the organization incurred some of those expenditures um, that could be reimbursable, the grant actually didn't exist because it wasn't executed prior to their fiscal year end, which was June 30th. So now that we understand the CIFA and what goes on and how the grants are accounted for, what else do I need to have done? And I understand that there's a lot of procedures and policies that need to be adopted and implemented and documented uh, by the auditee. So what what are some of those that, that we need to get in front of? Yeah, those seem to be more of the problem area, I would say, with a lot of our um, governments that haven't had to have an audit done in the past. So I would say that the big and the, the important ones are going to be procedures regarding cash management. Also, there's a procurement policy that's required to be written. So you want to make sure that that uh, covers the procurement of goods and services under the federal awards. And the focus here really is to mitigate the risk of fraud, waste, and abuse. And you want to make sure that these are documented procedures that you have for procurement. Conflict of interest is another written standard of conduct, and that is covering any conflicts of interest. And you want to make sure that you also have included um, the circumstances that you may have in governing any of those actions of employees that may have a conflict of interest. And then the fourth one would be allowability of cost. That would be required written procedures for determining the allowability of costs, and those would be in accordance with the terms and conditions of the federal award. So you want to make sure you have a good understanding of that grant agreement and what is allowable. So now that we understand all the policies and procedures that need to be put in place, you guys are the auditors, right? So you're going to want to audit this. What are some of the things that you are going to be looking for when you come in to do the audit and you really start digging into that CFA? Good question. So once we are given the CIFA, and in a perfect world, the auditors would like to have this um, when they come out to do their preliminary work, and maybe actually even a week or two ahead of time, so they have a chance to kind of look through that CIFA. They help some in determining what major program they're going to have to test, which we'll probably touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but when we do get that CIFA, we will trace the material amounts, both the revenue and expenditure side, to the general ledger, the trial balance, or any other source data. So if we have a copy of that grant agreement, um, we're going to check that and make sure that it matches. We also verify that the expenditures do not exceed the award amount. So each grant has a specific award amount, and we need to make sure that the expenditures do not exceed that amount. And we're also going to audit the federal revenue and expenditures as they are on the income statement. And here we want to make sure um, that they match the CIFA. Now, there are reasons that they will not match. For example, um, they will not match if you have a governmental fund that has revenue and we didn't receive it within the 60 days. So we have a receivable on there. So on the modified accrual basis, we're not showing that in our revenue. However, on the CIFA, it is an expenditure that we've incurred 
occurred, so we're going to include it there. So when they don't match, we want to make sure we've included a footnote disclosure describing the reason why. And also, we're going to foot those schedules to make sure that they add um, in total, too, so there's no, no errors in the formulas. You mentioned major programs. How do you go about selecting those major programs for testing? So I really hate this answer, but the answer is it depends. Any federal grant really has the potential to be audited as the individual grant making agency has the authority to request audits on grantees, specific awards or programs. There is a formula to determine the major programs and the major programs are those that will be tested for compliance and internal controls. The formula is based on a type of risk assessment, which really has little auditor judgment involved in that formula. Next, we determine if the auditee is going to be a low risk or a high risk auditee. That tells us how much coverage we need to have. And if you have not had a single audit done in the prior year, then you are going to be a high risk auditee. And there's a list of five questions uh, that your auditor will go through and fill out to determine if it's going to be a low risk or a high risk auditee. If the total federal awards expended are below 25 million, then the risk assessments are done on each grant that's over $750,000. Those would be considered your type A programs, and any of them below that threshold would be considered a type B. However, the thresholds for type A and B do change if your total federal expenditures on your CFA exceed the 25 million. Um, and again, that there's a table on the OMB um, compliance supplement that would show you that too. Great. So what about compliance requirements? Who sets those and how do we know what areas you're going to test? How do you know what areas you're going to test? So we actually have to look at these by grant. In the Office of Management and Budget, you'll hear auditors refer to that as the OMB. They set the rules and regulations for the federal audits. And the audits themselves are conducted by independent private accounting firms who are hired by the auditees like state and local governments, schools, and nonprofit organizations. The compliance requirements are different for each program, and there is a matrix that is in the compliance supplement, and it includes all of the required areas. So they include things such as the activities that are allowed, allowable costs, we have eligibility, uh, there's reporting, subrecipient monitoring, there's a laundry list of them. And each grant program number is included in the matrix, and then it has a Y or an N next to each of the requirements to tell you if you need to check that and audit that. Um, so each one is different. It's not like there's a simple guideline that you can use across every grant. All right. Well, that was a lot of information. Just to wrap it up, what are the other things that we really need to pay attention to as we prepare for the first single audit that organization may have had in, in quite some time? So if I had to narrow it down to my top three areas, I would say the first one would be to review the dates of those grant agreements. So as we mentioned earlier, if the grant has not been signed and it hasn't been executed, you will not include those federal expenditures within the CFA for this fiscal year. The second item I would say is important is to pay close attention to the release date of the compliance supplement. 
that is going to be your guideline as to what needs to be tested. Uh, it should be released in June, and there is likely to be an addendum. This happened last year, too, as the new federal grants are released. There are new requirements. So I do anticipate there will be an addendum coming out after, hopefully, that June release date. And the third and final thing I would say is very important is to communicate often with your auditor. Uh, the auditors really rely on that draft CFA that management has prepared to do, as we just mentioned, to look at what is going to be my major program. Then they go to the compliance supplement and determine what they need to test. And if your expectation of the federal expenditures is significantly different than what you had told your auditors, um, that could really cause a, a, an issue with what major program they're going to test. So we hate to audit a program we don't need to. Um, and worse yet, we hate to find out during the middle of field work that we need to audit another program. That's so the worst. Yes. <laughs> communication <laughs> is key. All right. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for your insight and for your expertise on the single audits. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about single audits, please visit yoandyo.com where you can find a copy of our show notes and some additional resources. So thank you to everyone who joined us today. I'm Alan Panter, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Business with Yo and Yo. for tuning in to Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. Yo and Yo's podcast can be listened to on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and of course our website. Please subscribe, rate, and review. For more business insights, visit our resource center at yoandyo.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletters. We'll talk to you next time on Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. The information provided in this podcast is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the podcast reflect the views of the speakers. This podcast does not constitute tax, accounting, legal, or other business advice or an advisor-client relationship. Before making any decision or taking action, you should consult with a professional regarding your specific circumstances.